Peace be upon you. So last week we discussed the concept of hadith, and we saw that God in the Quran is providing an ultimatum. Either we accept the Quran as the only hadith to follow, or we choose to follow alternative hadith, like those narrations that were compiled some 200 years after Prophet's death. The reality is we can't follow both, because either we follow the words of God in the Quran that are perfect, that are fully detailed, or we follow these, these other unverifiable sources. And as we saw in the previous episode, that not only are these unverifiable, the vast majority of these are considered fabrications or unreliable. Bukhari himself, out of his 600,000 hadith that he compiled, rejected 99% of his work. And then from the remaining several thousand uh, hadith that are left, a lot of these contradict the Quran or they contradict themselves. So let's assume for the sake of this thought experiment that we had an actual statement from the Prophet that was verified. The question is, what do we do with such a statement? Do we follow it? Do we reject it? Luckily for us, God has provided us a complete book, a book that provides examples of everything, including this very one in the Quran. And God is showing us in this example that we'll get to that even if it came out of the Prophet's mouth, if it wasn't the Quran, it is an obligation for the people who heard it not to spread such information. And then it's an obligation for those who heard it not to accept such information unless they verify it themselves. So this example comes from Surah 66. And Surah 66 is entitled The Prohibition. And in Arabic, it's Al-Tahrim. And I'm going to start from verse 3. Verse 3 reads, it says, The Prophet had trusted some of his wives with a certain statement. Now the Arabic for this phrase, certain statement, is hadithan, which comes from the same root as hadith. So the Prophet provided his wives with a hadith. And it continues, it says, Then one of them spread it and God let him know about it. He then informed his wife of part of the issue and disregarded part. She asked him, Who informed you of this? He said, I was informed by the omniscient most cognizant. So here we have an example of a person firsthand hearing a hadith from the Prophet. And she goes and she spreads it. And God is reprimanding this individual for doing such a thing. What lesson are we supposed to pull from this? God didn't tell us what was this hadith that she heard. And when God intentionally omits information, it's because of one of two reasons typically. Either the information is obvious, in which case, like say, God tells you to go wash. God didn't have to inform you how to wash. Or the other reason that God omits information is because it's not relevant for us to learn from. That the lesson of what we need to take away is only what's left in the Quran for us to learn from. And in this case, it's the fact that this individual firsthand heard a hadith from the Prophet and is being reprimanded for spreading this information. Now, this is not limited to time and space. This is a timeless lesson that 1400 years later, we're still able to value from because what's going on right now is individuals have taken these narrations, these stories, and are propagating these around as hadith attributing them back to the prophet. Now, what's really kind of insane is that think about this from the perspective of the prophet's wives, that God felt it was so important to put a verse, a revelation inside the Quran to warn them about doing such things. Now, if we look at the Hadith sources, what do we find? One of the Prophet's wives, Aisha, she has over 2,000 Hadith attributed to her. 
Now you think this righteous individual, one of the individuals that was the closest to the prophet, is going to see this revelation of God warning them not to spread hadith, but despite that is going to go and spread this heinous material about the prophet. And it's not just religious matters. These hadith that are falsely attributed to Aisha are talking about the private matters, the sex life of the prophet. Now this is disgusting to think that such a person would have such low lack of faith to completely neglect this warning from God in the surah just shows how absurd this, these hadith are. That again, they contradict the very nature of the Quran. The Quran is telling us that the Prophet's wives were prohibited to doing such things. And to think that the righteous wives of the Prophet continued on that path, spreading these uh, rumors and sayings and hadith about the Prophet uh, well past his death is absolutely absurd. Now, if the Prophet's wives themselves were told not to spread hadith, how much more is it that someone who never met the Prophet, who never lived even the same duration as the Prophet, is spreading this information, this hadith, and attributing it back to the Prophet? And for this, God gives us the following example of, again, individuals at the time of the Prophet who are doing the same thing. In Surah 5, verse 41, it says, O you messenger, do not be saddened by those who hasten to disbelieve among those who say we believe with their mouths while their hearts do not believe. And it says here, among the Jews, some of them listen to lies. They listen to people who never met you and who distorted the words out of context. Then said, if you are given this, accept it. But if you are given anything different, beware. So here we have individuals doing the same thing that Bukhari did. They're listening to lies of individuals who never met the Prophet. Because again, these narrations came 200 years after the Prophet. And then they're distorting the words out of context and then telling people that they have to follow these hadith. God is warning us of such behavior. But it's even more extreme than that. Because we read from Surah 66 verse 3. When we read from verse 1, we realize a much broader lesson. So verse 1 reads, it says, O oh, you prophet, why do you prohibit what God has made lawful for you just to please your wives? God is forgiver, merciful. So here we have an example. Again, two verses before 66.3 where the prophet's wife is spreading one of these hadith. We see an example that the prophet was prohibiting something God did not prohibit. Now this is one of the worst offenses a person can conduct. In Surah 16, verse 116, it reads, You shall not utter lies with your tongue, stating this is lawful and this is unlawful. To fabricate lies and attribute them to God, surely those who fabricate lies and attribute them to God will never succeed. Now what's interesting is we don't know if this had any relation to verse 3, where Muhammad made a hadith and one of the wives spread it. But let's assume that that was the case. Now you have a situation where Muhammad is giving false information accidentally and now the wife is going around spreading that information to the masses. Now let's say a compiler collects that information aside from the Quran and now they're spreading false information as well. And this is what distinguishes the Quran from these other narrations. While the Quran is a complete book, it has the details, understanding of everything. It means that you cannot pull things out of context because there's adjacent verses that are going to help provide the correct understanding. This is not the case with other hadith. 
When you hear a fragment of a sentence of something that supposedly the prophet said, how do you know the full context? How do you know that was accurately depicted? How do you know there isn't more to the story? Because in the Quran, we have numerous examples of errors that the, uh, the prophet made, and God corrects these errors. Surah 66 verse 1 that we just read is one example where he uh, prohibited something God did not prohibit. In Surah 33 verse 37, we have the example where God uh, commanded the prophet to marry the divorced wife of his adopted son, Zaid, and he was apprehensive. We have the example in Surah 80 about he frowned, Abbas, where uh, he saw the blind man and he turned away and he frowned, but he saw the rich rich man and he gave him his attention. These examples in the Quran are clarified for us that these are mistakes that the prophet made. Now, are these the only mistakes that the prophet made in his entire life? Probably not. So let's say someone collects a hadith of something the prophet actually said. But again, because it's not a complete book, what happened to the part where the messenger corrected himself by God's leave? That is going to be left out. That's not the case with the Quran. The Quran is a complete book. It has examples and details of everything. Nothing is left out. Meaning that there isn't a clause or a caveat or something that isn't inside the Quran for us to be able to extrapolate the correct understanding from. And this is not the case for other hadith. Surah 12 of the Quran confirms for us twice that the Quran is the best history. It reads in 12.3 at the beginning of the surah, says, We narrate to you the most accurate history through the revelation of this Quran. Before this, you were totally unaware. In surah 12, verse 111, it reads, In their history, there is a lesson for those who possess intelligence. This is not fabricated hadith. This Quran confirms all previous scriptures, provides the details of everything, and is a beacon and mercy for those who believe. The Quran is a complete book. It has the guidance, the information for everything we need. The second we go after external sources, trying to find clarity on the Quran, it's showing that we don't trust in God's word when he tells us to not follow any other hadith beside that of the Quran. Now, there's another example in the Quran in the context of hadith, because the first one we looked at was when the messenger actually said something, that even in such a scenario, A, we're not supposed to spread that information if we lived at the time of the prophet. And B, if you heard it without verifying it, you're not supposed to follow such information. But there's another example, and this has to do with more of the general theme of Hadith. This has to do with rumors and unproven accusations, because that is what modern day Hadith are. They're rumors and unproven accusations. It doesn't matter how many individuals Bukhari claimed to talk to. When his sources have not witnessed this for themselves and are contradicting one another, let alone contradicting the Quran itself, is our duty not to accept any of that information. And we have this example in Surah 24 regarding a rumor that some individuals made and God is informing the people who heard such a rumor are to reject it. So in Surah 24 verse 11 it reads, A gang among you produced a big lie. Do not think that it was bad for you. Instead, it was good for you. Meanwhile, each one of them has earned his share of the guilt. As for the one who initiated the whole incident, he has incurred a terrible retribution. Here God is informing us, again, of a big lie that was produced. Now what's interesting is you think about Hadith. A gang of people went and produced a big lie. And then you have individuals like Bukhari who are collecting this lie and disseminating it and telling people that they have to uphold such a statement. 
Now, God is telling these individuals that they all bear a portion of the sin. Now, why is it that God says, do not think that it was bad for you, instead it was good for you? Is because if they learn from this experience and they correct their ways, then it's ultimately good. Needless to say, they still bear a portion of that sin, but at least they save themselves from the eternal hellfire. But that's not the case for the one who initiated this and propagated it to the masses. Those people, it says, he has incurred a terrible retribution. This is very similar to the example of the Sumerian and the children of Israel. When the Sumerian convinced the children of Israel to worship the golden calf in his place, and Moses came and reprimanded them, and God put them in their place, what happened was that the children of Israel all had to go and repent. But the Sumerian was banished from the community for initiating and propagating such a disastrous, heinous act of worshiping a golden calf instead of God. So what is the big lie that was stated? As we saw before, if God did not specify the details, it means that either A, it's obvious, or it's not relevant for our uh, understanding. That the lesson we have to pull from is that when individuals propagate a big lie, that we are not to follow it. And this comes from the following verse. 2412 says, When you heard it, the believing men and believing women should have had better thoughts about themselves. They should have said, This is obviously a big lie. You think about these individuals who are circulating these lies attributed to the prophet, the companions, the, the prophet's wives that are depicting them in such a heinous, lewd, disgusting act, having them make false prohibitions, uh, following religious uh, guidelines that contradict the Quran. The second someone hears any of these hadith, they have to realize, if they're believers, that this is a big lie, and they are not to follow it, not to propagate it. It reads, only if they produce four witnesses, you may believe them. If they fail to produce the witnesses, then they are, according to God, liars. Bukhari himself claimed to have collected over 600,000 hadith. Who else was there to witness this collection, to memorize all those supposed hadith? The fact is that we're all relying on this one wicked individual to say if the uh, Hadith is truthful or not, that his work is legitimate or not. And this is not the system by which God has decreed. God informs us in the Quran that we are not to accept any information unless we can verify it for ourselves. In Surah 1736, it says, You shall not accept any information unless you verify it for yourself. I have given you the hearing, the eyesight, and the brain, and you are responsible for using them. In Surah 49, verse 6, God is informing us even more. It says, Oh, you believe if a wicked person brings any news to you, you shall first investigate. Lest you commit injustice towards some people out of ignorance, then become sorry and remorseful for what you have done. Individuals who accept hadith, who accept these false narrations of the prophet that are unverifiable, they're depicting the prophet, the believers, the companions of that time as heinous individuals who are conducting all kinds of lewd acts that have no foundation in the Quran. And believers should have better thoughts about themselves before they make such accusations towards others. God continues in the Quran in Surah 24 verse 14. It says, If it were not for God's grace towards you and His mercy in this world and in the hereafter, you would have suffered a great retribution because of this incident. You fabricated with your own tongues and the rest of you repeated it with your mouths without proof. You thought it was simple when it was according to God gross. When you heard it, 
you should have said, we will not repeat this. Glory be to God, this is a gross falsehood. God admonishes you that you shall never do it again if you are believers. God thus explains the revelations for you. God is omniscient, wise. God is informing us that we are to reject these hadith, these unverifiable hadith that contradict the Quran, that contradict the character of the Prophet and the companions, that they are not to be followed, that if we accept them, we are making the same mistake of these individuals who propagated the big lie and spread it among themselves. This is a warning and a lesson that God is placing in the Quran for us to learn from. God is telling us in the Quran in Surah 45 verse 6, this is, these are God's revelation that we recite to you truthfully. In which hadith other than God in his revelations do they believe? In Surah 7 verse 185, it says, Have they not looked at the dominion of the heavens and the earth and all the things God has created? Does it ever occur to them that the end of their life may be near? Which hadith besides this do they believe in? In Surah 77 verse 50, it says, Which hadith other than this do they uphold? God is informing us that the only hadith we are to follow is that of the Quran. If we follow some other source, one that's unverifiable, one that is not the Quran, then it is showing that we are setting up an idol beside God. That's why in Surah 6 verse 121 it says, Do not eat from that upon which the name has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. The devil inspires their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. That God is telling us if you obey some other source aside from what God tells us in the Quran, that it's showing that we're setting up a source beside God and therefore we would be considered idol worshippers. The Hadith are apparent testimonies collected from individuals who lived, again, some 200 years after the Prophet and they claim it traces back to the Prophet. If we accept another testimony over what God informs us in the Quran, then this also equates to idol worship. This is confirmed in Surah 6 verse 19. It says, say, whose testimony is the greatest? Say, God's. He is the witness between me and you that this Quran has been inspired to me to preach it to you and whomever it reaches. Indeed, you bear witness there is other gods beside God. Say, I do not testify as you do. There is only one God and I disown your idolatry. Notice that God is linking, accepting another testimony beside that of God's as in the same vein as idol worship because the two are linked. If God gives you a testimony, yet you go with someone else's testimony, this other hadith, these other narrations, uh, these individuals who claim that they heard the prophet say such and such, then you're putting a testimony beside that of God and thus committing idol worship. Surah 6 verse 112 to 113 informs us why God allowed these hadith to circulate, to propagate, to be so predominant inside the Muslim world. In Surah 6 verse 112 we read, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire in each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed, they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. This is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter listen to such fabrications and accept them, and thus expose their real convictions. This all links back to idol worship. If we accept some other source beside that of God in the Quran, it's showing that we're setting up idols next to God. God sent us this one book to follow. If we choose to follow other books, other narrations, it's showing that, again, we are setting up idols beside God. This is confirmed in the following verse. In Surah 6, 114, it says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law?
when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed, those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hearer, the omniscient. Muhammad had one sole mission while he was on this planet, and it was the delivery of the message. In 599, it reads, The sole duty, the only duty of the messenger is to deliver the message, and God knows everything you declare and everything you conceal. And you'll see the statement repeated throughout the Quran that the sole duty, the only duty of the messenger was to deliver the message. This is depicted again in 2454 where we read, Say, obey God and obey the messenger. If they refuse, then he is responsible for his obligations and you are responsible for your obligations. If you obey him, you will be guided. The sole duty of the messenger is to deliver the message. So what is the message of the prophet? Was it to deliver the sunnah? Was it to deliver this additional hadith? No, the sole message of the messenger, the message that they, he was commissioned to deliver was this Quran. And this is confirmed in 2110. It says, we have sent down to you a scripture, a kitab containing your message. Do you not understand? If you want to obey God and his messenger, you want to follow the message of Prophet Muhammad, then you do that by following the Quran alone. Do not set up any other source beside it. Because the second we do, then we're setting up idols next to that of God and the commandments he's given us in his perfect, fully detailed book. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you guys want a word-for-word -word literal translation of the Quran, check out the Quran Study app on the iOS app store or go to the website quranstudyapp.com. And if you like the podcast, please spread the news, let other people know about it, and uh, leave us a review. It would be much appreciated. Until next time, peace and God bless.